0: Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast brought to you by Foresight. At Foresight, we are cultivating healthy leaders to lead thriving organizations. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Please enjoy the rest of our show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jenny Catrin, founder and CEO of the Foresight Group. And today we're going to talk about the six steps for responsibly stewarding the power of vision. Now, leaders, we love vision. We love ideas and we love potential. But sometimes we underestimate the power of vision and the weight that it carries. You know, recently a friend called looking for some advice. She and her husband were at a bit of a crossroads. A few years ago, they had sold their home and most of their possessions They left family and longtime friends to take a job across the country, and they knew it was a risky adventure, but they were compelled by the vision of this organization. I'm betting a lot of you have probably made moves like that. And the organization that they were joining had some audacious goals, but not really outside the realm of possibility, just pretty exciting goals. This couple friend of mine, they asked lots of questions and took some time to process with friends and mentors, so they did pretty good due diligence. They sought God for guidance, and then they eventually made the leap. But when she called, she was expressing how now they're kind of struggling. They had made tremendous sacrifices, only to discover that the organization really wasn't ready to pursue the vision that they had cast and the vision that they had used to compel them to come. And so this family was in upheaval because a leader didn't fully understand the power of vision, right? This vision that had caused them to move across the country, to upheaval their family. And, uh, and then it was a vision that they weren't really ready to pursue. Does it sound a bit crazy or extreme? But sadly, change the names and the organization. And I hear a version of this story nearly every day. See, vision is essential for individuals, teams, and organizations. Proverbs reminds us, what? That without vision, people perish. So those of us who are visionary by nature use the scripture to help us find significance in the visionary gift that we have, right? It's important. It matters. But visions are dangerously powerful. And a leader who doesn't understand that power has the potential to cause irreparable damage to the people they lead. And I want you to like, just grasp this for a minute, that visions are dangerously powerful. And when we don't understand that power, we have the potential to cause irreparable damage to the people that we lead. One of my greatest concerns for leaders is that we often don't fully grasp the weight of our influence on others. You all have heard me talk about this, that influence by definition means the power to change or affect someone. And that definition just kind of like haunts me, the power to change or affect someone. When we have influence, that's the power that we have. We have the power to change or affect someone. Our position of influence gives us power that quite literally changes or at a minimum affects another person's life. And you understand this. Think about the influence your parents have on your life. Think about your first boss or your soccer coach or your piano teacher when you were little. Your life has been shaped by people of influence and shaped probably both positively and negatively. See, as visionary leaders, we create hope and possibility. Visionary leaders appeal to people's dreams and goals, and they define a preferred future. The better a leader is at casting a compelling vision, the more influence we wield. Right? And so, with this hope and possibility that we have as visionary leaders, we appeal to people's dreams and their goals and their preferred future. And so, the better we are at casting a compelling vision, the more influence we have over people and helping them align with these visions that we're casting. And at our best, a visionary not only casts an inspiring vision, but they have the wherewithal to see that vision come to fruition. And this is the key part for us as leaders is that we've got to be really careful that as we're casting vision, we have plans in, to actually bring that vision to life. So let me give you a bit of a story. I married an adventurer. And it's probably a good thing that my naive 23-year-old self didn't really know what I was getting myself into at that time. Over the years, our garage has collected the accoutrements of adventurous quests, golf clubs, tennis rackets, kayaks, snow skis, bins upon bins of hiking equipment. When my husband and I moved to the West Coast, the thrill of adventure was ratcheted up, let's just say, significantly, right? And some of the highest peaks in the West were just really a few hours drive away And to my husband, they were calling. Like, one of his goals in life is to climb the highest peak in every state. And so here we are in California with all these monster mountains, and he is, like, ready to go. So we've conquered Yosemite's Half Dome and Mount Lyle. We've enjoyed the summit of lesser-known peaks with equally stunning views. Like, we have seen some remarkable things. And then one summer, we braved the highest of them all, Mount Whitney in the Sierra Nevada mountain range. An excruciating 22 miles round trip to the 14,500 foot elevation of this mountain. And with the vision before him, my husband began preparing us for the trip. Like he is a preparer. He is going to have it already. He scheduled regular hikes of smaller peaks to help us condition for the terrain of the mountain we shopped for backpacks, ice axes, and crampons for snow conditions. We got the appropriate clothing, first aid equipment, water containers, food, all the stuff, right? And we had, we had done, he, really, he had done all the homework. And the day before the hike, we drove to the Mount Whitney portal to acquire our hiking passes and spend a night at altitude to help us acclimatize to the thinner air. So there's also that piece of the puzzle that we were navigating. And that peak loomed large before us. And I remember thinking, are we really going to climb that? Because when you're at the base of the mountain looking up, all of a sudden you start to second guess everything. And so the alarm went off at the painful hour of 2.30 a.m., and uh, getting started early is important so that you can summit early enough in the day, have adequate time to get down the mountain, all those things. And so we loaded up our gear and headed up the mountain. And with headlamps on and limited visibility, the sounds of nature were pretty loud and ominous. I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. I had some second guessing on those first couple of miles. But the breaking of dawn brought a bit of ease and peace as we continued to ascend. And mid-morning brought the looming reality of what they call the shoot. An insanely steep section of the mountain that when snow is still present, like it was for us, requires putting on crampons, which are steel spiked things that attach to your hiking boots, and uh, which allow you to dig into the snow and climb up the 45 to 60 degree incline, which is intense, by the way. And so the climb up the chute is exhausting. Literally, I'm counting like 10 steps and stopping to catch my breath, right? And wondering, am I ever going to get there? And I repeated that pattern, guys, for two hours until we made it through that section, which was really only a few hundred yards. But it took us like two hours to get through this insanely steep section that is covered with snow and the mental discipline to put one foot in front of the other and to be patient with my slow but steady progress challenged every fiber of my normally fast paced driven personality. Y'all know this about me. And so once we ascended the chute, we still had several miles of rocky terrain to cover before reaching the actual summit. So it was an exhausting day. Climbing Mount Whitney was one of the most challenging things that I've ever done. And as I reflected on it, I realized how significant it was to have the visionary leadership that my husband provided. And this is what I want to key in on today. See, for him, Mount Whitney was a glorious vision and opportunity, right? Like he just saw all this potential to climb this mountain. It excited and it energized him to consider summiting that, like this highest peak in the lower 48, like to him, the vision was clear and compelling. He had a vision and he had the confidence that he could scale that mountain. Now, for me, Mount Whitney was a daunting challenge. I doubted my abilities, and I feared the unknown. I just didn't have as much comfort level with this vision as my husband did. And while I wanted to embrace his vision, I certainly had some uncertainties. And I see similar parallels for leaders of organizations and their teams. See, the leader sees grand visions and opportunities for the future. He or she is a visionary. We just see possibility. We see the splendor of the summit in our mind's eye, like we can see it, we can taste it. We have a level of confidence in our ability to achieve the vision. And we're eager to bring others with us to experience the joy of accomplishing such a grand vision. Like it just seems possible to the visionary. But the distinction I see between the leader who's able to compel people to join them in the pursuit of the vision And the leader who struggles to keep a unified team alongside him has more to do with the discipline of the leader than the capability of the followers. And I'm going to say that one more time because I want that to sink in. The distinction I see between a leader who's able to compel people to join them in the pursuit of the vision and the leader who struggles to keep a unified team alongside him or her has more to do with the discipline of the leader. Than the capability of the followers. What I often hear from leaders is that their team just can't keep up, or they don't know how to lead others, or they don't get it. Have you ever used one of those excuses about your teams? And many times a leader finds him or herself frustrated with the team's inability to keep up or to even own the vision. And consequently, the leader gets frustrated and gets discouraged. And the staff or the volunteers feel the leader's disappointment. And before long, the entire organization has stagnated. We're no longer climbing that mountain, chasing that summit. So, leaders, we have to learn new disciplines to lead our teams to new heights. And in my experience climbing that mountain, and in my experience working with leaders at organizations of all sizes, I want to share with you the six steps that help us responsibly steward the power of vision. And the first thing that I would say is pray and plan. Before you jump to action, pray and discern the path and the plan and the vision. Make sure that you have prayed over this vision. Most leaders are comfortable with figuring it out as we go. We just kind of anticipate we can do that. In fact, that spontaneous and fearless spirit has often served you well. So if you've started a business or you've planted a church, this reckless abandon to chase your passion was the very thing that gave you the courage to get started. You actually needed that. So it's not all bad. However, now that you have a team of people that need to ascend together, you need to take some time to plan the route before you start. When my husband was planning our hike, he spent months studying and reviewing reports from other hikers. He bought books about the mountain and learned about the conditions at the time of year that we'd be hiking. He learned the landmarks and had the route memorized before we even saw the physical mountain. So he had done the work. He had prayed, he had planned and prepared for us, which is the second one, prepare. With a vision before you, it's time to consider what you'll need to accomplish this goal. Will it require additional staff or extra budget? Do you or your team need training in a specific area to be better equipped? Weeks before we began our hike, my husband began purchasing the gear we would need. I mean, he was going to REI every day, it felt like. And some of it seemed kind of silly to me. I was like, why do we need that? Do we really need all of this stuff? So as you prepare, some of your team are going to question you too. And so you need to be—you need to anticipate that. They aren't living in the details as much as you are. And so they may not fully see the need or understand the purpose, but you need to keep preparing them and yourselves. The third thing, third step is you need to educate the team. There comes a critical point when you must start educating the team for what's ahead. As the time approached for us to climb the mountain, my husband gave me homework. I mean, He sent me links to articles that he wanted me to read and videos he wanted me to watch that would help me prepare for the journey. And I needed to be able to anticipate that chute of snow that I had to climb up and learn how to self-arrest if I were to slip and slide down that mountain, which is a little crazy, by the way. Additionally, he trained me in how to use my crampons and my ice axe, which if I'm going to be carrying an ice axe, you want me to be skilled in knowing how to wield that thing, by the way. Because uh, I did actually get a gash on my leg from my ice axe, a little battle wound. But we discussed what we would do if we became separated, important things like that. Um, consider how you need to educate your team for what lies ahead. That's one of the key things that you need to do as a leader is know how you need to educate your team. Don't assume they know how to accomplish that vision. You've got to educate them. What challenges will they encounter that they haven't experienced before? What criticism will they hear from others that are still skeptical of the vision? And how do you want them to respond? What do you need them to read or to study to be prepared? For the new terrain that you'll encounter in pursuit of this vision. Number four, carry a heavier load. Part of a leader's responsibility is to go first. You see things that others don't see, and you also need to bear more burden for it than they will bear. It's part of how you're equipped as a leader. You're designed to carry a bit more than the other team members. See, as we prepared our packs for our hike, I noticed that my husband's pack was nearly twice as heavy as mine. And the competitive side of me wanted to balance things out, but he didn't expect me to carry my fair share. He knew that the only way that I could make it up that mountain was if I was carrying a load that was appropriate for me. So he carried additional items that, uh, so that we could go together. Like He carried some of the extra stuff. So as a leader, what do you need to carry for your team? And this is a place where I sometimes see bitterness creep in for us as leaders, that we get a little bitter that we've got to carry a little bit more. or We've got to bear a little more of the burden. And so we get frustrated because we're carrying more than others. But that's the responsibility of leadership, guys. Because you can carry more, you do so so that others can make the journey with you. The fifth thing we need to do is adjust our pace. For most leaders, you can go faster towards the goal than the rest of your team. And sometimes you're tempted to do that. You're tempted to run ahead. But the discipline of the leader is realizing that you need to slow your pace in order to keep everyone moving with you. Now, my husband could have climbed that mountain much faster if he'd gone alone. And by the way, he actually did do that, do the mountain by himself one time and went significantly faster. But he wanted to go with me. He wanted to experience this accomplishment together, and for that reason, he carried a heavier load, and he slowed his pace to match mine. And then number six, encourage along the way. At some point in the journey, you're going to get tired. Your team's going to get tired. It may feel like you're never going to get there. Maybe it's taking longer than you thought. Maybe you encountered some unexpected obstacles. And as we hiked, I easily found myself discouraged. I just felt slow and I felt like I was holding my husband up. That looming mountain before me seemed to be growing rather than shrinking. And I began to doubt if we were ever really going to get there. And most of these thoughts I kept to myself, but my husband kind of picked up on my fears and doubts and was intentional to constantly encourage me, to remind me of what I had accomplished, how far I'd come and how good I was doing. In the most challenging moments, he would remind me to just take it step by step. And when he sensed we needed a break, he stopped so that we could refuel and rest. So, as you and your team embark on your mission and on your vision, they're gonna get discouraged. It's not if, it's when, because it is going to happen. And you're going to get discouraged as well. But you've gotta remember that keeping hope and possibility in front of others is the strength that we bring. As leaders. So you've got to encourage every step, celebrate every small victory, because your encouraging voice is essential to achieving that mission. You got to keep leading. Perhaps the hardest part for a leader is always being the one out front. You've got to battle your own emotions. In some moments, you're energized and you want to race ahead, but ultimately that leads to discouragement and frustration for your team that feels like you've left them behind. At other times, you may relax and saunter alongside everyone. But what is really needed is for you to be a couple steps ahead, leading the way, anticipating challenges, and spurring your team along. As we hiked that mountain, my husband stayed just a couple steps ahead. He identified trail markers to ensure that we were headed in the right direction. He scouted out places for us to take a break. But most importantly, his constant presence in front of me gave me confidence that we were going the right way. Your steady leadership provides comfort and strength to your team. They need you just a few steps ahead, charting the way forward. And so nearly every time my husband suggests our next adventure, I want to encourage him to go without me, right? I know that I slow him down and he could scale those mountains so much faster without me. But every time I make the suggestion, he always responds with this. He says, Jen, I don't want to just climb a mountain. I want to climb a mountain with you. Because he knows that the victories are always so much sweeter when they're shared. And leaders, we get the privilege of leading others to extraordinary outcomes, to leading others to great vision. As much as we're tempted to go it alone sometimes, The victory is so much richer when we experience it with others. So embrace the disciplines of a leader. Yes, it's challenging. It's often countercultural. But the result is so worth it. So slow down, set the pace, and experience the success of going together. Well, I hope this episode has been helpful to you. Just these six steps that we as leaders need to engage to help to responsibly steward the power of vision. Vision is powerful. You as a leader get to lead other people to extraordinary outcomes. You get to lead them to big vision, but you've got to have the discipline for these six steps. And so in summary, just as a recap, first, you want to pray and plan. Second, you want to prepare. Third, educate the team. Fourth, carry a heavier load five, adjust your pace, and six, encourage along the way. Well, if this episode has been helpful to you, please subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And it is a huge help if you rate, review, and share it with others. That is a big help to us so that we can continue to do the work that we do. Because our passion is to cultivate healthy leaders to lead thriving organizations and to equip you with the foresight for success. So keep leading well, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast. If you have any questions, please email Jenny at podcast at get the number four site.com. If this content has helped you in any way, we would love for you to share this podcast with your friends and on social networks. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing content coming from the Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast. Your comments mean the world to us, so please rate and leave comments on our podcast. And remember, you need foresight for success. We will see you next time.